This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the award-winning Colleen and Bradley show. I'm the Bradley. Colleen will be back on Monday. Holly and Josh are here. What is your favorite celebrity cookbook? 651-641-1071. Why am I pounding the chair arm as I say that? Holly, why are we asking this question today? Why are you actually bringing it to the table? Well, one of the things that we didn't get to yesterday, Bradley, while we were discussing what we were watching over the long holiday weekend, is we both watched a documentary on HBO Max about Julia Child. Mm. Julia Child! Julia Child! Yes, and... It was fascinating to learn about Julia Child's cookbook, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. One of the fun facts, including but not limited to being included in this documentary, it took her over a decade back and forth with her co-authored to write this book. And it was I was it was astounding. I'm like, I want to cook something from Julia Child's cookbook simply to honor the work that it took for her to create that piece of uh, cookbookery, I don't even. Yeah, there is words. Uh, yeah, at words six five one six four one one zero seven one. What is your favorite celebrity cookbook? I I am so glad that you brought us back to this topic because we did both watch this series and or uh, documentary rather. And I will say, as somebody who has always had a profound love for Julia Child and just cooking shows in general, and growing up on cooking shows like i was the, that kid who watched cooking shows as a child um there was just something so unique and special about her although what i appreciated about this documentary is that it showed her for who she was in a way we did not appreciate on camera yeah so it peeled back you know the curtain right or pulled back the curtain to show us more about her personal life. I will say I knew a lot of it. It's kind of like that Anthony Bourdain documentary. I knew a lot about the the historical moments. Like I, I knew roughly how she got her start, how that all came together. But there was something about her personality that I don't think we appreciated day to day or throughout her life that was shared through personal anecdotes and remembrances from friends and colleagues. Yeah. In the documentary, Julia on HBO max, we contextualized Julia child. She was a huge celebrity at the height of her fame in the seventies and eighties. She became a household name and we knew her for who she was on camera. And yeah, I was really delighted to learn about the full person behind the scenes and just how hard she worked. Well, and before she even had the show, of course, the reason she ended up getting a show is because of that book that you referenced, this book, this like really passion project that she worked on with her friend Simka, colleague Simka, and then had like a troubled relationship with Simka. And I always knew about Simka, but I didn't know about the depths of their, you know, relationship and the ups and downs. So I was mm-hmm. really grateful for that. But um, much like you want to cook something out of that book, I would encourage people if you have access to 
DVDs, or this might be streaming somewhere. I think perhaps on PBS or somewhere you can stream the French chef, the TV series in its entirety, and it'll make you want to cook the things that she, you know, that she shares in that series. I can't wait to make beef bourguignon. Beef bourguignon. And like everything from an omelet to some, you know, crazy cake that would will take 100 steps. We have people on the phone. Should we go to the phone? Yes. We've got Roberta on the line. Okay, Roberta, who's your favorite celebrity cookbook? It's Julia. Oh, okay. Tell us about that cookbook. It's a good cookbook. It's She simplifies things. That's why it took so long to to write. It was all these French recipes. Yes, is there? Do you have a uh, a favorite recipe? I make osobuco all the time, and it's easy as pie, and you'd think it'd be very hard. Lamb shanks. Okay, and what's the actual like? What's the the full name of the cookbook? Is it just Julia? the French Chef Julia Child's French Chef? Oh, I art... can't remember. It's in the kitchen somewhere. The mastering <laughs> of the art of French cooking. Yes, the okay. art of French cooking. Yeah. That's it. Awesome, Roberta. Thank you so much thank for you. sharing that. Uh, uh-huh. Well, that's very encouraging that someone actually uses that cookbook and uses it regularly. Well, what I imagine, and and I have not cooked anything from that book. I don't have that book on my shelf. I always just, I sort of appreciated Julia Child's recipes for the, like, the enjoyment of watching her. Oh, yeah. But I'm not a French, like, I don't prepare a lot of French cookery. Mm. In, in my home because it seems a little intimidating, but it does this that documentary did make me want to pick up the book because you saw what uh, an intense amount of work she put into translating and I don't want to say dumbing down, but really speaking directly to an American audience about French cooking in a way that they could feel was uh, accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Should we go to the phones? Indeed. Marie is on the phone. Hey, Marie. What's your favorite uh, celebrity cookbook? Hi, um, I really enjoyed Cravings by Chrissy Teigen. And what are the recipes that you've made from Cravings? Uh, I can't remember exactly like what they were called, but there was this pastry puff that was in there. Mm. And I really enjoyed more so her thoughts on the recipes mm-hmm. more than the thoughts because she was a model and and struggled with you know food and wanting to be healthy but eat stuff that tasted good yeah um and so i really related and she's she's just so fun i know she got canceled and all that but the book was nice you know you're absolutely right and marie and i think sometimes perhaps her celebrity sort of out you know it's sort of that distracted people away from what she was actually doing. So it's good to hear that someone who actually bought and used the book found the value that she was obviously aiming to share. For sure. Marie, thank you so much for sharing that um, Chrissy Teigen's cookbook. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, 651-641-1071, your favorite celebrity cookbook, Holly, clearly. Uh, I imagine yours uh, would be Mastering the Art of French Cooking, but is there another celebrity cookbook that you would uh, put on your list? I don't know if it's Julia Child's cookbook because that's aspirational for me. I will say, admittedly, some of the celebrities that I've actually cooked their recipes and enjoyed them, one would be Chrissy Teigen. Mm. There have been some adaptations of recipes that are pretty accessible. I know celebrity recipes that you've prepared before. Yeah, and also, are you looking at me and Gwyneth Paltrow? Yes. I can see your eyebrows. This is a safe space. It's a safe space. 
You're I, not you're not funneling money to Goop, so I'm fine with no, that. No, I am not giving any money to Goop, but I have gone to Gwyneth Paltrow's website and I will say that the recipes that they share on goop.com are pretty simple. Mm-hmm. I don't like a lot of fuss or a lot of muss, particularly if it's a weeknight. And I'm a fan of these recipes. That being said, I don't think she's actually developing the recipes. I think she has a team behind it. Yeah. And she's signing off on it. That's Still, fair. Uh, thanks for asking. Yes, Mine is Liberace <laughs> Cooks. Recipes Ooh. from the seven dining rooms. This was actually a listener gift. A listener donated this uh, particular um, cookbook. And again, like most of the celebrity cooks, actually the only celebrity cookbook I actually use is Modern Jaffrey's um, Instant Pot Cookbook. So it like gives you all these wonderful ways to prepare traditional Indian dishes with the Instant Pot because, you know, I love the Instant Pot, right? Yeah. But other than that, like the Liberace Cookbook is just fun to read. Like I'm not making his weird... You know, uh, like he'll just have the most bizarre, random 1950s and 60s recipes with too much sour cream and like gelatin, you know? Yeah, you're not but making fun Lee's to read. special uh, cocktail wiener souffle. Yeah, exactly. In aspic. <laughs> oh. Let's go uh, let Kristen have the last word. She was so kind to call in. Uh, Kristen, who is your favorite or what is your favorite celebrity cookbook? I am with the lady that called earlier, Chrissy Teigen's Cravings. Oh, okay. Do you have a favorite recipe in it? I do. My daughter and I cook it when she comes home from college. She rocks a buttery glazed green bean recipe of Chrissy's. And there's a prosciutto wrapped um, chicken breasts that are amazing. Oh, okay. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for sharing, Kristen. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I do want to share this email before we go quickly from the Cheekster. They said that we've had Julia Child's cookbook sitting on our shelf for years this spring. We finally got our act together and actually cooked something. We made beef bourguignon. Beef bourguignon. They say it's the best thing they've ever eaten. Wow. Okay. I did want to, like, after watching the, the, the filming, whoever filmed Julia the documentary, whoa. That food, you just wanted to jump into the screen. Yeah. That's how delightful the food looked. I will say, um, our wonder, one of our wonderful Twitter followers sent us the fact that you can find some seasons of The French Chef for free on Apple TV. All right. So, or Pluto not, TV. Pluto, I'm sorry, Pluto, Roku, Tubi. Yeah, it's all over the place. So, right. anyway, thank you, Holly, for the question. When we come back, thanks, listeners, for answering. Uh, Holly is going, you're going to your high school reunion. Oh my God. What? We're going to get some details on the angst it is clearly bringing her when we return right here on my talk. One Oh seven one. Holly's going to her high school reunion, you guys. And well, she doesn't really remember anything and she's a little scared about it, but good news. We're going to help her through this process, or at least she found, um, an old pamphlet. (laughs) from Dale Carnegie that's going to help her win friends and keep them. I don't think it's going to. Okay, so Holly, um what can I ask? Are you are you yeah. comfortable like, you know, this is a personal tale, so feel free to just create boundaries wherever you need to. Uh what your reunion is this? Uh this is 20. Wow. I know. 20 year high school reunion. You so can the, do the math. So the year was 2002. Yes. What was your high school motto? Do you remember? Like, I graduated in 93, so we were wild and free in 93. Oh, that's great. Did you put that on a t-shirt? Uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't think we had one. See, Bradley, I don't remember anything. I don't even know where my high school diploma is. 
I couldn't even tell you that I graduated high school. I don't know. I think you did. But um, <laughs> what are you most concerned about before heading to your 20th high school reunion? Well, Bradley, I'm concerned that I'm going to make a total boob of myself because I don't remember anything. So when you say you don't remember anything, what does that mean? Like people? It, like yeah. Circumstances? Yeah. Were you just like, you know, like <laughs> you just have a, a psychic block from that period or Not what? Not necessarily. It's just moods and feelings. Okay. And so I'm going to this thing by myself. Why did you decide to go, first of all? Because I will tell you, I have not been to one high school reunion. I've been to a college reunion. I think those are far less fraught than high school. But tell me, um, tell me what led to that decision. Well, Bradley, this is kind of immersion therapy for me. I don't really have an excuse not to go other okay. than I don't feel like going. Yeah. But then I felt like, well, you know, the folks from my high school class, they, you know, got enough gumption to put this thing together. And this is in a suburb in the Twin Cities. Yep. I'm here. If I was living someplace else, I wouldn't be going. I wouldn't be making the special trip. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? What the heck? Going to go drive down to where I grew up. And I'm going to go and it's going to be awkward and I'm scared. Do you, what are you scared of, first of all? Because I don't remember anything and then someone's going to What are you afraid is going to happen, honey? I don't know. They're just going to be like, well, I remember this, this, and this about you. And then you're like, oh, this is why I I have an idea. Oh, Josh has an idea. All right, let's psychoanalyze. Holly's going to run into somebody that's going to be like, I left my number in your yearbook and you never called me. Oh, Oh, did you do that? Oh, Josh, that's really flattering. But no boys were interested in me or girls or anybody in that way well, can cool. i can i ask you holly yes okay so again is there anything else you're afraid of it's a, i'm here's what i'm afraid of is that someone's going to remember something and then i'm not going to remember it and i'm not even going to remember them but like which what is who no cares beef. they're going to be I'm, drunk or like you know, tipsy at least that's true and you can just make stuff up okay just so, follow your my talk badge so what you're saying is I should make up a persona and wear a monocle and a mustache and twist it in the corner. Now, were you in the drama club? Because that sounds very drama club-esque. Actually, I was. Of thank course you. you were. Yeah. Uh-huh. Of course you were. I don't know of anyone that works on the station that wasn't in the drama club at some point in their career. Uh, because it just seems like we are all ex-drama club um, persons. Um, okay, so you're afraid basically that you're going to get caught in an awkward social situation or what? Yes, yes. Because, but Holly, you are yeah. so good socially. You're, you just talk your way out of it. The lie detector test has determined that is a lie. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Oh, 
I know you. Know, it's going to be like the Chris Farley show skit on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I don't Where remember. you're talking with someone and then you oh, say yes, something yeah. and then he's going to be like. That's me. That is oh. me. Yeah, where you're like, remember that one time, <laughs> that one time you had that ball and then the ball went down the thing and that, that, I, that was my favorite time. Yeah, no, that's me telling a story most of the time. Except I'm not going to be able to Because halfway tell. through the story, I'm like, I either don't remember the end of the story or I'm really bored telling the story. So I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> okay. Uh, Do you have enemies? From high school? Like, were there people you despised in high school, Holly? Well, Bradley, I'm afraid that there's going to be enemies of me and they're going to confront me and say, who who would be an enemy of Holly Roberts? I don't want to find out and I'm scared of finding out. What kind of kid were you in high school? Hmm. Did you have like a social grouping? I did have a social grouping. None of those people are going to be there. Oh, well, gosh, even worse. (laughs) You're just going to be thrown to like the... Like what were the other groups? Immersion therapy. Well, the athletes. The athletes. So band, I were you was in the band. Yeah, I was like the. Oh, ach- you were marching band. I was the achievement person because I felt like my exit ticket was through achievement. Yeah. So that's where it was like I was the drum major in the marching band. Yeah. I was in the play. I was the editor of the yearbook. I was doing all yeah. the things basically. You were a collector. A I was collector. a collector as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was yeah. a club collector. Th- yes. I'm the president of the. German club. I am the co-vice president in chief of the drama club. I love the way that you frame that the collector club. Anyways, I'm just really nervous and I hope that people, you know, send me send me your hot tips on how to navigate navigate a successful class reunion, because I, I imagine there's a lot of folks we haven't been doing these kinds of things in the past couple of years. If you have any hot tips on how to navigate awkward situations like these, please let me know. You know, I think the easiest... Okay, well, are you going with someone? No, I'm going uh, alone. See, this is... Because I, I, the only tip that I have for you is as follows. Because I am a horrible person with names. Now, I'm giving the secret away, so if this ever happens in public, you will know exactly what I'm up to. <laughs> if I have forgotten somebody's name, I'm usually I'm with Jamie or a friend or somebody, right? Right. And if we're headed towards someone and I'm like, I know them, I just can't remember their name. My rule of thumb is I always will tell Jamie if we if if we go up to someone and I'm not saying their name immediately, introduce yourself because then that will force them to say their name and then it's not awkward. <laughs> and then I don't have to do the hi you. But you Buddy, can't do that because you don't have anybody with you. I don't. All right. Well, when we come back, good news. Celebrities are still up to no good. In fact, we've created a whole segment for them, and we call them Lord and Lady Newsbag. Right here on My Talk One. Luckily, celebrities behave badly every day of the week. Tabloids do too, which is why we created a whole segment for them here on the Colleen and Bradley Show. Find out, actually, today's Lord and Lady D-Bag segment is super size. Let's get right to the fun! Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Super size. This entire segment is going to be about one story dealing with one celebrity, Holly. Who is our D-bag today? Our supersized lady D-bag of the day is Kim Kardashian. Pew, pew! Or should we say, wait, no, I can't do What's Kim? Uh, Uh, Okay, anyway, tell us about the article and then we'll get to why uh, she is our D-bag. Oh my goodness. So Kim Kardashian, the supersized D-bag of the day for this new interview in Allure magazine. 
Oh, my goodness. Where do we begin? Well, both Bradley and I have talking points on why Kim Kardashian is our D-bag of the day. But the thing that resonated with me, Bradley, in this Allure article is that Kim Kardashian is denying getting injectables. Okay, so she's still on this story. Yes, she's still, still on this (sighs) story, denying any uh, that she has had this kind of work done. Okay, so tell us what she actually says about not having work done or why she feels the need to continue to talk about this. A question, by the way, that other than some trolls on uh, social media and perhaps ourselves, nobody's really talking about this. Um, So the interviewer asks, what do you have in your face right now? <laughs> now Allure what? Allure is a beauty focused publication. So okay. I think the interviewer is just being frank about yeah. what kind of beauty routine Kim Kardashian Which again, is no doing shame. right now. Like no. uh, nobody like whatever works for you. I had this like little uh thing on my forehead that I got filled in because it was getting bigger and bigger. Oh, I am so ready soon. Yeah. Anyway, make it happen. Yeah. Uh what do you have in your face right now? The uh, the interviewer asks. And she says it as an aside, I have my theories about what Kim Kardashian has in her face. Kim Kardashian says, a little bit of Botox. And then she points at the space between her brows. Okay. But I've chilled, actually. Okay. No filler, no filler. Your lips or your cheeks, no filler, no filler, Kim says. Never filled either one ever. She's saying she's never had filler. She's saying she's never had filler. Did they ask about her Batuski? They did not ask about her Batuski. They were keeping it more on the visage and the face. Yeah. She didn't yeah. say, what What do you have in your butt? She, the, the interviewer for Allure magazine did not ask okay. what Kim Kardashian had. All right. I mean, butt. I guess I don't. Whatever. They asked her the question. Fine. But seriously. Yeah. There's no shame. Let's can we can yeah. we stop shaming women for taking care of and, and men for that matter. But it's mostly the media holding women accountable for you know, their physical appearances and somehow doing this weird thing of like, everybody's doing it, but we shouldn't talk about it. Or we, or like women of a certain celebrity can't say it out loud and continue to deny the obvious. Yeah. I don't know why that's a thing, but whatever. Well, it's still, it's like getting me to believe Jennifer Aniston really uses a vino. (laughs) Jokes on everyone. Her face looks like that because of a vino. She might be using a vino. But yeah. her face doesn't look like that because she used Thank a vino. You. Well, and that's the trickery that's happening with this Kim Kardashian Allure interview because Kim Kardashian has just launched an extremely expensive skincare regime, which I've seen reviews of it on social media. And Bradley, they're these huge plastic containers that have just a little drop of moisturizer or whatever ingredient that she's trying to sell you. And it is expensive. Expensive. And isn't it like nine steps? At least. Wasn't there like her nine step regime or something? And all the yes. celebrities now have like their own nine step skin regimes. I think Gwyneth Paltrow did. Yes. Uh, um, uh, Haley Baldwin Bieber has her own skincare line. In fact, wasn't she working with Kim on that or something? No. What is she working with Kim on? I don't. They were collaborating on something. Anyway. I don't know. Matter. But they have competing skincare regimes. Now, Bradley, I want you to guess how much the complete collection of Skin by Kim will set you back. Now, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different products as part of the complete skincare regime set. Okay. 
I got to guess how much this is. Well, it's got to be in the three bills. So it's, it's in the three bills. Three hundred and forty-nine dollars. Go up a little more. Three hundred and sixty. Little, little more. Three hundred and eighty. Like a lot more. What? A lot more. Uh, so three digits, but not three. Correct. Hundred. Three digits. The complete collection. Six hundred. A little higher. What? Yeah. Seven hundred. A little low. Six hundred seventy-three dollars. Absolutely is- <laughs> not. Is what this is retailing for now. Bradley, this is on sale right now for five hundred seventy-five. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. You know what? Frankly, I would just like I, I am. I would rather look like an unsulfured apricot <laughs> than spend seven hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. on this. So this, everybody, you're not gonna look like Kim Kardashian if you spend almost seven hundred dollars on this skin by Kim skincare regime. Oh my and God. so this Allure magazine. Mm, article and what Kim Kardashian is saying about her own regime, it just it adds to this illusion that just Kim Kardashian be honest about the, that it takes a lot of money and a lot of time to look the way that you do. So there is a piece I'm reading because this is near the the words that I'm about to share with you are near the words that I wanted to share with you because again if you're just joining us we're doing Lord and Lady D bag today it's just all about Kim and this Allure magazine article. I want to talk about some of her food uh, stuff, but but close by and that is the following words. Because the the writer asked her, I asked her if she feels responsible, even guilty, for setting an unrealistic, unattainable beauty standard. To which she responds, Holly, if I'm doing it, it's attainable. What? No, actually, if you're doing it, it's not attainable. Because how many women live the way you do with the resources you have? Right? Like, that's not actually obtainable for most women. No. I, I believe that there's the, you want the illusion so that women will then go buy the product because they want you to believe it's attainable. But again, you're not going to look like Jennifer Aniston any more than you're going to look like Kim Kardashian if you're just working a nine to five like the rest of us, the majority of us, mm-hmm. because you just don't have the time, the effort, or the resources to make all those things happen. You don't have, you know, your esthetician on speed dial. I mean, a lot of women do and a lot of men do as well, but yeah. it's not like you have to be rich to take care of yourself. My point is, if you're going to try to achieve that standard, it's not attainable. Right. That's the lie. Yeah. And so the lie is right here in this Allure article. For I mean, it's attainable. I'm sorry. Excuse me. It's attainable for $700. And even then, it's probably not attainable. Yeah. Because just because you use the thing, I mean... I would love for a woman or a man or somebody to take that product, like that, those nine products and use them for like 90 days and tell us, you know, Mm -hmm. how they feel and if they look any different. Well, I don't think the marketing department at Skin by Kim is even going to allow that. They just did the influencer drop and everyone was like, oh my gosh, Kim, thank you so much for all of this lotion. That's fantastic. Now, Bradley, let's transition to why Kim Kardashian is also your D-bag of the day. Well, uh, because she's still talking about losing all that weight for the Met Gala. And you'll remember it was so that she could wear Marilyn Monroe's dress. Oh, and ruin Which it? she ruined, right? Oh. So it was all for naught. But she's still talking about it. But, you know, like, she was kind of the victim of that, remember? Because, like, everybody came for her because of, you know, she ruined the dress. But she really didn't ruin the dress. But everybody thought she ruined the dress. And so now it's like she's trying to give us further reasons why we should feel... Maybe like she wasn't a horrible person for wearing this dress. Mm-hmm. 
Two weeks before the Met Gala, I was down 10 pounds and I was so proud of myself. Then I got down to 15 and it fit. I couldn't believe it. And then the following words. Kardashian, who eats a plant-based diet and was recently named the chief taste consultant for Beyond Meat, ate real meat again for her pre-gala diet. So she, in order to lose the weight, had to start eating meat again. Mm. I don't understand that. I don't either. I'm not a nutritionist. Like, you need to eat meat to lose 21 pounds? I mean, again, I just feel like this is all fabricated for a sales pitch. Yes. Because I just referenced a commercial for Beyond Meat, right? Mm-hmm. Then... Psoriasis broke after she starts eating real meat again. Psoriasis broke out all over her body and she got psoriatic arthritis. So she couldn't move her hands. It was very painful. She had to go to a rheumatologist who put her on a steroid. She was freaking out. So she cut out the meat again and it calmed down. Okay. okay. Like, again, I, I feel like you're trying to give us the Christian Bale. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, Jared Leto, I worked so hard for this role that my body started breaking down. It was for you people. That's exactly what it sounds like she's saying. And honey, no. No, it's art. Also, uh, you didn't have to do any of this. This was not required of you, nor were you compensated for it. No, and and in fact, by all means, it looks like you ruined a piece of American history in order to have your picture taken on the Met Met Gala red carpet. Nobody asked for that. Uh, In response to the backlash to her extreme weight loss, she said, if I was starving and doing it really unhealthy, I would say that, of course, that's not a good message. But I had a nutritionist. I had a trainer. I've never drunk so much water in my life. I don't see the criticism for other people when they lose weight for roles. Um, They're considered (laughs) geniuses for their craft. Actually, Kim, if you've been paying attention, there's a whole conversation, some of which we've had on our very own show about not doing that because it actually is not healthy for you. And I think Tom Hanks has diabetes now. Yeah. Doesn't he? Like, and yeah. doesn't he attribute his diabetes in part to extreme measures he's taken for acting? Yeah. He's talked about losing a lot of weight for roles like in Castaway and then gaining the weight back and doing that in a very quick fashion. And it compromised his health. And he, yeah, he's been open about that. <sighs> And I will leave you with the following words from this Allure article, which you should read in its entirety, if for no other reason than to let out some steam of rage that may be fulfilling your life for a variety of reasons. Don't read the news. Um, I point out, the writer says, Holly, that I think it can be hard for people to have compassion for her. Quote, says Kim Kardashian, I think I've always just been the underdog. Have you? Has she been an underdog? What is that? <laughs> Who thought? Lol. Yes, Josh. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Aptly put. <laughs> Nobody thinks of Kim Kardashian as an underdog. I was born on third base, sliding into home. Yeah. I don't know what that means. What does that well, mean? Well, you know, Kim Kardashian, she was born on third base, meaning it was very easy for her to uh, yes. reach a home run status because of all the privilege and advantage that she already and came again, to the table nobody with. Nobody was trying to take anything away from you until you started talking about it yourself. So you might be your worst enemy in this regard. Kim, thank you for creating an entire segment in our show today. We Checks appreciate in the mail. it. Thank now, you. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, ooh, speaking of Kardashians, you guys, I listened to Martha Stewart's uh, podcast episode interview with Kris Jenner, and I'm going to tell you what it all means upon our return right here on My Talk 1071. 
Welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley Show on My Talk 1071. I want to tell you about Martha Stewart's podcast. Is it a good thing? <sighs> it, look, it's a thing. That's that is my review. Three word review. It's uh well that's four. Is it's considered you know what I mean. It's a thing. And the reason I say that is because it depends who's listening. So yeah. Martha Stewart has a new podcast. We talked about it on the show. I think her first, I know her first guest was Snoop Dogg. And uh, because, you know, they're besties. Yes. They go way back and they've done some business ventures together. And, you know, they, um, it, it, so it made sense. Well, her second guest, and that's the podcast episode I listened to of Martha Stewart's uh, podcast called The Martha Stewart Podcast. Ooh, creative. Um, although I will say, I think we're past like, you know, like she's famous. Just call it the Martha Stewart podcast. Be done with it. Anyway, her second guest is none other than mother of our D-bag segment today. Ooh, Chris Jenner. Wow. So, business ladies, business. And did they talk about business, Bradley? Well, first of all, it was about 38 minutes long. Uh, Martha Stewart's conversation. I'm sorry. I get very emotional. I know. Actually, I had an apple in the break, and I'm kind of burpy. Um, so Martha Stewart talked to Chris Jenner for about 38 minutes, and you could tell it was like a Zoom. Why can't successful, rich, privileged, resourced people get some decent audio? Get a mic. This is get not hard. <laughs> like... It, that bugs me, number one. Yeah. But that's a small thing. Most people don't care anyway. So production value, minimal. <sighs> Not my favorite. Yikes. But I listened to the episode, and specifically mm, this episode with Chris Jenner. It's a conversation. It's literally just Martha Stewart being like, hey, Chris Jenner, how are you? And Chris Jenner's like, I'm good. How are you? And then it's like this love fest commercial uh, for all of her daughter's brands with very little actual inspiration. Uh, introspection or self-reflection it's very amorphous it's just a big blob of uh blather if you will very typical and predictable you know it's 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 one very successful billionaire talking to the mother of apparently more than one successful billionaire right chris jenner is a successful businesswoman in her own right as is martha stewart and it's those two women talking to each other as if we just tuned into a casual conversation, which was also sort of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge commercial for all the brands that they're representing. Oh, it was just like, oh, we're just two gals zooming, talking, no big deal. Yeah, but it's like an infomercial for them. So, like, uh-huh. literally, the podcast has commercials for uh, Martha Stewart's new wine. Oh my God! Yes, exactly. Hey, uh, yeah. Martha's. I think it's called just like Martha's Shard. Yes. And it's Martha's Chardonnay. Like, you can live hard, play hard, drink Martha's Chard. She says something like that. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, honey, no. But, you know, good for her. That's her thing. She's doing the thing. Look, if I had my own wine brand, I'd be out, you know, shilling it on my podcast. Yeah. So that's why I said it's not, like, good or bad. It just is. But honestly, it's, I, I just, I longed for so much more. You mean Kris Jenner didn't share her famous recipe from her own cookbook for Robert Kardashian's cream of wheat? Makes two I mean, servings. Honey, I would have been <laughs> grateful if she had given Martha a recipe on uh, the show. But it was just, you know, again, 
really, it was Martha, Martha, whoever set up this podcast for her did a wonderful job. So to the production team, kudos, because everything was just a, t- uh, what do you call that? A layup mm-hmm. for an opportunity to have Chris Jenner uh, talk about one of her kids' brands. Yeah, they're uh, T-balling it. Yeah. So for example, <laughs> she was talking about how, well, I don't remember exactly how the conversation began, but essentially Martha Stewart says like, oh, and I just... I love your home. It just, it smells so wonderful. It doesn't smell like it's not super perfumey when you walk into your home. It just smells clean. And I imagine that's because of your line of cleaning products that are all natural and no! called safely. And Christian is like, oh, thank you so much. And it's just been a privilege. And then she goes on to tell a story. Yeah. And this is actually later in the podcast. But she goes on to tell a story about how Courtney was always getting on her case because her cleaning products were just full of chemicals and gross and bad for the environment. And because of of Poosh, and by the way, Martha's like, what is this Poosh business? I don't know what this is. And the way she describes it, it's like, it's just, it's hilarious to me. Because she's like, well, it's really just the things Courtney likes and wants to showcase. And they're really good for the environment and your body and the earth. Anyway, so she gets to Safely and she's like, Courtney, you used all these natural products, but her home just was never clean enough. And so like it just didn't feel as clean as it could be. And I just thought, oh, my God. okay, can you imagine your mother judging your clean the cleaning in your house? And she has now told the world that your house stunk. Mm -hmm. And while you were out of town one time, she came in and cleaned Courtney's house with like a toothbrush on the grout. Like she was getting into it. She's like, it's just my happy place. I love to clean. So she's talking about this. And then she said, Courtney, like got all up in her face because it smelled like cleaning products. So that's what ultimately led her on a journey to manufacture this line of cleaning products that smell good and are good for the environment. What a incredible journey. So that's exactly what you get for the entire 38 minutes. It's one commercial after the other. They talk about skims and how Kim was dying shapewear years ago in a bathtub with tea bags because she really was so committed to having, you know, uh, uh, shapewear of a certain kind. You know, like everything. It's all of the origin stories that have been run through the marketing department. Yeah. The, the underdog origin stories. Thank you, yes. To quote the previous segment, Lord and Lady D-Bag, Kim is such an underdog. Yeah, now Chris Jenner has also framed herself as an underdog at some point in time. And now, to Chris Jenner's credit, I think there is an element of that for her story because she shares that, you know, she was didn't really have anything going on after she got divorced from Robert Kardashian and she essentially decided to make everyone around her into a business venture. Well, <laughs> she tells the story. Here's what I want to say really quickly. I admire and respect Kris Jenner's ability to be a businesswoman. Yes. She has done great things. Yes. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Thanks, Judge Just Judy. Just tell me the actual story because I know it's not as flowery and good for the environment as you would like me to believe. Yeah, it's, we did There's some market a, research. A lot of trials and tribulations. But to your point, underdog, this woman happened to have a casting director in her home who then was like, you guys should have a show. Call Ryan Seacrest. He's looking for people. Yeah. Whoever has that opportunity. 
Who has access to Nobody the phone number? Nobody has that. That is not an underdog. That is something like when was the last time you just happened to have a Hollywood ca- a list Hollywood for Dancing with the Stars casting director in your home casually? Lucky, right? That's not an underdog story. I'm not saying there's no story there. It's just not a real story. Yeah, it's an inside baseball story. And same with the podcast, honey. Thank you. And keep up the conversations with your, you know, famous friends. But can maybe ask some more realistic questions. And get a microphone? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> now, speaking of which, when we come back, I want to talk about some other things that we're listening to. And I want you guys to share what you're listening to. Audiobooks, albums, podcasts, 651 641 